Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast but don't know how or think it'll be too expensive? With the coronavirus ravaging the world right now, I know firsthand that money is super tight. But guess what? Anchor is a free app that lets you create your very own podcast. And the best part? Anchor doesn't charge you to make your podcast. I started my podcast, Secrets in the Desert, a little over a year ago on Anchor, and it is so easy. There are creation tools that allow you to record, edit, and publish your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, and my podcast is currently streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, just to name a few. And of course, on the Anchor app and Anchor.fm. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, so the more listeners you get, the more money you make. It's everything you need to make a great podcast all in one place. So if you want to make a great podcast very easily, download the free Anchor app in your app store or go to Anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started on your free podcast today. And yes, it's that easy. Hey guys and fellow true crime lovers and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 13. I'm your host Titi Jimenez. I just want to say that I hope all my listeners are staying healthy, wearing your mask, hand sanitizer, and social distancing to help stop the spread of COVID-19. Now let's get into today's case or cases I should say. In today's episode I will be covering not one, not two, but three child murders at the hands of their parents. The reason I'm doing three cases in one is because one, they all happen in my hometown of Las Cruces, New Mexico, and two, because during my investigation into the cases there really wasn't too my investigation into the cases there really wasn't too much information about the cases themselves their lives mattered and their stories deserve to be told all three cases are very graphic and very heartbreaking and since this episode is about child murders as always listener discretion is advised the cases i will be covering on today's episode are the murder of four-year-old rodrigo bravo in july of 2001 the murder of four-year-old devon booth in September of 2002 and the murder of four-month-old Kaylin Flores in December of 2007. Now let's get into these cases. So the first case I will be covering today is the murder of Rodrigo Bravo. Rodrigo Vidal Bravo was born on June 8, 1997 in Las Cruces, New Mexico to his mother Elisa Bravo and father Vidal Bravo. Elisa was only 18 years old at the time she gave birth to Rodrigo. Elisa Bravo was a young mother trying to navigate how to take care of her son and three daughters, mostly on her own. Rodrigo was Elisa's youngest child and she was raising him with her husband, Vidal, but he was the only one that worked. During my investigation on Rodrigo's case, I couldn't really find that much background information on either Elisa, Rodrigo, 
or her husband Vidal. Literally, the only thing I could find was about the crime and the aftermath. On July 12, 2001, police and EMTs were called to the home of Vidal and Elisa Bravo. Elisa called 911 to report that her four-year-old son, Rodrigo Bravo, was hurt, unconscious, and having trouble breathing after suffering a seizure. Officer Stephen Barnett of the Las Cruces Police Department was the first officer on scene of this fateful tragedy. When Officer Barnett arrived, Elisa took him to the back bedroom of her home where he observed a small boy on a bed. The boy, identified as four-year-old Rodrigo, was dressed only in underwear and socks and was struggling to breathe. Rodrigo's eyes were partially opened but were starting to roll up into the top of his head. Officer Barnett also noticed that Rodrigo had a huge bruise on his chin. Officer Barnett started CPR on four-year-old Rodrigo until EMTs arrived and soon after, they took over. Elisa's husband and Rodrigo's father, Vidal, showed up shortly after that to a horrific scene. His son was not breathing, being worked on by emergency medical service, trying to keep him alive. Officer Barnett had everyone leave the room to give EMS room to work on Rodrigo. He also called the Doniana County Sheriff's Office to respond since the Bravo's home was outside the Las Cruces Police Department jurisdiction. So Deputy Alan Franzoy and Investigator Craig Buckingham arrived on scene. Vidal Bravo, Rodrigo's father, went with him on the ambulance to the hospital. Elisa, her three daughters, and other family members who had arrived were asked to stay at their house so they could be questioned. Elisa was interviewed first as she was the only adult in the home at the time of Rodrigo's injury. Since Elisa didn't speak English fluently and was being interviewed by investigator Buckingham, there was also a translator, Officer Trevizio. They questioned Elisa about what caused Rodrigo's injuries. I guess whatever Elisa told them, initially they believed, so they all left and Elisa and her family rushed to the hospital to be with Vidal and Rodrigo. Rodrigo ended up in a coma for five days before being taken off life support and passed away on July 12, 2001 at the very tender young age of four. After Rodrigo Bravo passed away, investigators went to question the family again. Vidal was at work at the time of the murder, so he was quickly ruled out, but Elisa was questioned again on July 16, 2001 with an interpreter, and at first she maintained that Rodrigo had fallen after having a seizure and it was an accident. But investigators knew she was lying because Rodrigo's injuries were not consistent with what Elisa was claiming happened, and also because doctors and the medical examiner concluded that Rodrigo was murdered due to blunt force trauma to his head. Elisa was then arrested for the death of her son and charged with intentional child abuse resulting in death and tampering with evidence. Elisa Bravo was again questioned the next day on July 17, 2001, and the horrific details of what really happened to Rodrigo on the day of his accident yes, I'm using major air quotes, this disgusting human garbage admitted to throwing Rodrigo and slamming his head against the wall as hard as she could, and that's what caused the blunt force trauma to his head, in addition to shaking, torturing, cruelly confining, and cruelly punishing him, which ultimately led to him being in a coma for five days and then being taken off life support. This vile piece of shit said she did it because he was acting out of control and she just wanted him to calm down because she was dealing with a lot. Are you fucking kidding me? Elisa is the one who chose to get married and have four children by the time she was 18. She was still a child herself. That's obviously no excuse to murder your child. 
I have three children and I could not imagine even spanking one of them, let alone beating or torturing them. My son was once war four, obviously. Yes, he had his moments. He still does at six, but I could never. Ugh. As always with the New Mexico judicial system and the way they handle child murderers, Elisa was able to plead no contest to child abuse resulting in death and received a 16-year sentence. 16 fucking years for killing her innocent four-year-old son. Poor baby man. Just in case you're not familiar with what pleading no contest is, it's where you essentially admit there's enough evidence to convict you of the crime or crimes that you have been charged with, but not admitting guilt. And guys, that's not even the crazy part. This mother, air quotes again, Elisa, had the audacity to try and appeal to over-sentence because supposedly she wasn't read her Miranda rights when she was questioned on July 16th and 17th of 2001 The Rodrigo passed away. But the attorney argued that Elisa was not in custody at the time of questioning, therefore she didn't need her Miranda rights read to her. She volunteered to those interviews, even going as far as saying she didn't want a lawyer. So of course her motion was to suppress her confessions were denied and she is now serving her 16-year sentence at Southern New Mexico State Penitentiary. And I hope to God that she serves every single day of her measly 16 years. So that was the sad, horrific case of four-year-old Rodrigo Bravo. Now I'll be discussing the murder case of four-year-old Devon Booth. The case of Devon Booth is truly close to my heart because his biological father is a really good family friend of mine and when this happened, it was so devastating to everyone who knew Devon. Devon Booth was born on December 28, 1997 in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Natasha Guerrero, which that's her married name. I won't be releasing the biological father's name due to his privacy. Devon's parents split up not long after he was born, but his biological father was very active in his son's life. That was until Natasha, Devon's mother, met and married Louis Guerrero, 39, on Valentine's Day of 2002. Devon had a 10-year-old sister, a 9-year-old brother, and a 16-year-old brother. The 10-year-old sister's name has not been released because she was a minor at the time of the murder and is actually the one who killed Devon on the orders of her stepfather, Louis Guerrero. The 16-year-old brother is actually the one who found Devon unresponsive and called for help. I will be withholding his name as well because he was also a minor at the time and had nothing to do with what happened to his little brother so I will respect his privacy. As I stated earlier, Devon was murdered by his own 10-year-old blood sister. Both Louis and Natasha Guerrero are serving prison sentences for their role or lack thereof for what happened that fateful day. So on September 23, 2002, four-year-old Devon Booth died after two days on life support after a horrible beating on September 21, 2002. He was beaten to death by his own 10-year-old sister on the order of her stepfather, Louis Guerrero, after he wet the bed and got caught drinking toilet water. Like, are you fucking serious? He was four. Four-year-olds still wet the bed sometimes. It's called an accident, and even four-year- and every four-year-old has at least one. Shit, I won't even lie. I've pissed the bed before, and I'm in my mid- 
30s. It's like, have you ever had a dream where you're using the bathroom but are unconsciously really peeing in real life in your sleep? I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> anyway, Devon was also caught drinking toilet water, but like I said, he was four. Four-year-olds, especially boys, like to get into stuff, including toilet water, so I don't see what the big deal was. Louis Guerrero is just a piece of shit who was abusive and controlling, and that's why he is in prison. So Devon's 10-year-old sister was instructed by Louis to punish Devon for what he did. Of course she didn't want to, but she was terrified of her stepfather and complied because she was scared of the consequences she would get if she didn't do as she was told. So as this poor 10-year-old girl was beating her poor baby brother, Louis watched and was giving her orders on what to do to, to Devon. While his disgusting piece of shit mother Natasha was watching TV nonchalantly like she didn't hear what was going on. This just tells me that big bad Louis most likely abused all of them including Devon's mother Natasha but that is still no fucking excuse. As a mother you are supposed to provide and protect your child or children no matter the cost. So Natasha if you're listening you're a vile piece of shit and don't deserve to be called a mother. And yes I said what I said and I mean every single word. So on September 21st, 2002, stepdad Louis Guerrero caught Devon drinking water out of the toilet. The reason this was a problem was because Devon wet the bed at night so he wasn't allowed to drink anything after 4 p.m. I'm speculating it was past 4 p.m. so since he forced Devon's 10-year-old sister to be the disciplinarian to her younger brother, she was called in to punish him. Since she was terrified of her stepfather, she did as she was told and started, quote, delivering blows to Devin's head, chest, and legs. She also told investigators that Louis told her to knock him out if she could the night before Devon was taken to the hospital. Sometime later, Devon's 16-year-old brother found him unresponsive and called 911. Paramedics arrived and Devon was airlifted to University Hospital in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is about 224 miles away from Las Cruces or three and a half hours. Devon died two days later on September 26, 2002 after being taken off life support. Of course, investigators questioned everyone and the ugly, dirty, disgusting truth came out. Louis Guerrero was arrested and initially charged with child abuse, but charges were bumped up to child abuse resulting in death or great bodily harm. And guys, this isn't even the worst part of this horrible tragedy. Devon's mom, yes, I'm using air quotes, Natasha Guerrero, was also arrested and charged with negligently permitting child abuse resulting in death. That's because while her husband, Louis, was forcing her 10-year-old daughter to beat her 4-year-old son, this bitch was sitting in the other room watching TV not giving a shit about her son being beat. Ugh. This makes my fucking blood boil. I just don't understand how some women have children just to neglect them or abuse them or to let them be abused. This is a fucked up world we lived in and this goes to show that literally anyone can be evil and people around them don't even know it. That's a scary thing to think about. It certainly makes it hard to trust people. I don't even know my neighbors and I've been in my new place since May. It's so hard to trust people because you never really know them. Even if you believe you know everything about them, people only show you what they want you to know about them. Anyway, it came out during the Guerrero's trial that Louis, the children were forced to assume different positions when they got in trouble for misbehaving. The stepfather disciplined his stepkids very harshly. 
He even went as far as making fun of his 10-year-old stepdaughter, telling her she was ugly and dumb and would never be able to go anywhere in life. What in the actual fuck? What grown man makes fun of and antagonizes a 10-year-old girl? Those are the most impressionable years for young girls and for this vile piece of shit for him every single day he spends in there. Natasha Guerrero, Devon's mom, air quotes, was convicted of negligent child abuse resulting in death and negligent child abuse and was sentenced to 24 measly years in prison. Yes, the gold old New Mexico justice system when it comes to child murderers. It's literally a fucking joke to make her feel like nothing is disgusting. All three children testified against their mom, Natasha, and stepfather, Louie, and they were eventually found guilty. Louis Guerrero was convicted of negligent child abuse resulting in death, intentional child abuse resulting in death, and intentional child abuse and was given a 36-year prison term. I hope he is suffering every day in prison and his 36 years are torturous and her and her younger brother were eventually adopted by a very loving family and are very happy now. I'm sure she had to go through a lot of trauma therapy to help cope with the guilt she feels, but I'm happy that she is doing well now. The 10-year-old was never charged because she was forced into beating Devon to death. Now let's talk about our final case of this episode, and this case is the worst. It is the murder of four-month-old Kaylin Flores. So that was the disgusting, vile murder case of four-year-old Devon Booth. Kaylin Marie Flores was born on July 24, 2007 to her mother Desiree Cortez and father Robert Flores in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Poor Kaylin would only live for four short months thanks to her murderer, her own father Robert Flores. So on December 6, 2007, Kaylin's mother Desiree was at work working the night shift as a respiratory therapist at Mountain View Regional Medical Center. I guess Robert had been drinking that evening, so at around 10.30 p.m., Robert Flores, being Kaylin's father, was of course entrusted to take care of his daughter like any father would be. He ran out of beer and decided to go to the store to get more. Robert wanted to run to the store really quick, but didn't want to take four-month-old Kaylin with him because it was, quote, too much work loading her in. So this piece of shit decided he would just car seat and unloading her at the store and then having to load her back up in the car after. Just leave her at home since it would be a quick trip. Robert didn't want to leave Kaylin on the bed where she usually slept because he didn't want the neighbors to hear her crying while he was gone. But guess what this father of the year decided to do? He placed four-month-old Kaylin in a laundry basket that had unfolded towels in it, put the basket in his bedroom closet so no one would hear Kaylin cry if she woke up. Yes, you guys heard that right. He put his baby girl in a basket of laundry in his bedroom closet and left her there while he ran out to go buy beer. Oh my fucking God, what would make somebody think that doing something like that would be okay? Like, what the fuck was he thinking? Or I guess I should say he wasn't thinking because he had already been drinking. Well, he got home and didn't go check on Kaylin for a few hours. I'm speculating he probably didn't hear Kaylin crying when he got back and assumed she was asleep. He sat and drank his beer, doing God only knows what else. After this few hours passed, Kaylin's mother, Desiree, came home for lunch at around 3.30 a.m. and went to check on her beautiful baby girl. 
When Desiree found Caitlin, she tried to pick her up to kiss her and found her unresponsive and cold. Robert called 911 and paramedics arrived and tried to revive her, taking over CPR from her mother Desiree, but to no avail. That morning changed Desiree's life forever. Robert Flores was taken to the Las Cruces Police Department to be questioned and was subsequently arrested on December 7, 2007 for reckless child abuse resulting in death. The medical examiner ruled that Caitlin's cause of death was asphyxia. So this piece of shit father, well I'm not going to call him a father because a real father would never do something like this. But Kaylin in the basket full of towels and because she was only four months old and didn't have control of her head movements very well, she suffocated in the towels in the basket. While being interviewed by Las Cruces Police Department, Detective Edgar Rosa later said, compared to other parents after an accident, he just wasn't showing much emotion. He was scared about himself, but he wasn't showing much emotion about his child. Robert was arrested December 7, 2007, but his trial didn't even start until January 30, 2013, well over five years since Kaylin had died at his hands. He was eventually convicted of reckless child abuse resulting in death and was given 18 years in prison. This is where the case turns horribly wrong. Because of the case taking over five years to go to trial, Robert Flores' attorney filed a motion to have charges against him dropped because his right to a speedy trial was denied since it took over five years. And guess what? The appellate court agreed on May 20th, 2015, only two years into his 18-year prison sentence, that Robert Flores wasn't granted a speedy trial and was released from prison and all charges against him were dropped. Yes, you heard that right. Robert Flores is a free man after killing his daughter Kaylin because of a technicality. A technicality that is literally in the U.S. Constitution, which you would think prosecutors would know this. I mean, I know it and I'm just a regular person with no formal training, but you learn about our civil rights and constitutional rights like in sixth grade. But yes, good old New Mexico justice, Robert Flores is now a free man. This case makes me so upset and let me tell you why. So the first episode I did for this podcast, and actually the whole reason I started the podcast, was because my younger sister was killed along with her pregnant sister-in-law and also my two-year-old nephew and 18-day-old niece on April 10, 2016. My sister's name was Antoinette, and we were only two years apart. Anyway, in 2010, we were both pregnant, me with my second child and her with her third child. I had my daughter in January of 2010, and she had her son, Damarian Jaden, or DJ, on November 8, 2010. Well, in the early morning hours of December 3, 2010, she remembered waking up at 3 a.m. to feed DJ. Next thing she remembers is waking up and it was like 8 a.m. and she realized DJ was not laying next to her so she checked in the bassinet and he wasn't in there either. Antoinette was a single mother of three at this point at 22 years old so she thought maybe my older niece had him. As she was getting up to go look, she looked down on the floor and there she saw her three-week-old son, my precious nephew, laying face down on a plastic bag that had laundry in it. 
He had suffocated to death on the plastic bag because she fell back to sleep feeding him and I guess dropped him and he rolled onto the bag and suffocated. The investigators and CPS put my sister through hell, even taking away her other two kids for three months while they investigated. And this was a legit accident. This piece of shit Robert Flores killed his daughter Kaylin and pretty much gets away with murder and is living freely? This is bullshit. We really need to vote some people in who are willing to give harsher sentences to these child murderers here in New Mexico. That was the tragic case of the murder of four-month-old Kaylin Flores. These cases really break my heart. If you don't want kids, please guys don't have them. There are options out there. There's no need to kill a child whatsoever. As you can tell, I really think New Mexico criminal justice system when it comes to child murders is a joke. Child murders literally get less time than like people convicted of robbery or other nonviolent crimes. So if you ever want to get away with murdering a child, come to New Mexico. Shake my head. That's horrible to say I know, but it's true. I feel like child murders should get automatic life sentences no matter what, but I know that will never happen because our judicial system is a joke and obviously children being murdered isn't a top priority here in New Mexico, which is disgusting. Children are the most innocent beings on earth. They literally depend on their parents or guardians for everything, but the murderers just aren't a priority. It's a shame, really. Our state, New Mexico, has been engulfed by a deep wave of grief caused by the gruesome, loathsome, and vile murder of innocent children. We have a litany of little angels here. I wish more people would advocate for our children here in New Mexico and get harsher sentences for these child murderers, but I don't think that will happen anytime soon, if ever. So that was episode 13 of Secrets in the Desert. I know this episode was pretty devastating because I covered three different cases. The cases of four-year-old Rodrigo Bravo, who was killed by his own, air quote, mother. The case of four-year-old Devon Booth, who was killed by his 10-year-old sister at command of her piece-of-shit stepfather while their, quote, mother watched TV. And the case of four-month-old Kaylin Flores, who died because her own father put her in a basket of unfolded towels and put her in a closet to go buy beer. I just can't even imagine how Robert Flores got away with killing Kaylin. It's mind-boggling to me. There are really no new, noseworthy, true crime stories right now in New Mexico. I'm going to go ahead and end this episode here. As always, I will put all pictures and links pertaining to these cases on the podcast's social media pages. So get, go take a look and get more in-depth information about each case. I'm your host, T-Team Jimenez. Until next time, guys, peace out.